Shubanakity Tinsmith man, he's a genuine old-time artist man. He's working in a tin shop and using his hands just like his daddy did. And everything stays pretty much the same, I guess the truth is. Things rarely change in the world of the Shubanakity Tinsmith. That was a little taste of Shubenacadie Tinsmith Man, written and performed by Wayne Rostad. I found it on YouTube. But we won't have to live with YouTube because Wayne Rostad, who's a household name to people who've lived in the Ottawa Valley for any length of time, will be performing on November 25th at Bankley Hill Collegiate Institute. This is review publisher Louise Sproul, and we were thrilled when Wayne stopped by the review offices recently and we had the chance to sit down and talk about all kinds of things. Here's that interview. I'm here today with Wayne Rostad, who's stopped in in the midst of a busy schedule to tell us about an upcoming concert in Van Cleek Hill. Hello, Wayne. Hello, Louise. Very nice to be in Van Cleek Hill. So I hear there's a benefit coming up for Arbor Gallery Cultural Center. And Correct. you've got something to do with it. Well, yes, I do. Um, uh, Rini Marks... Um, uh, came to me with the uh, request to uh, help the uh, Arbor Gallery Cultural Center out because uh, she believes so strongly in its importance in the community. And I didn't need any convincing because uh, in my travels over many years, I realized that the, one of the core values of any community was its artistic and cultural uh, entity. And, and when a, a community lacks those things, it's a community lacking heart. And uh, so when she said that they want, they needed to and wanted to forward the cause of the center, I understood that. And uh, and I've liked Van Cleek Hill for years, Louise. I've been, this is not my first rodeo here. I've, I've, no, I know I've, you've been yeah. in town before. Oh my, I've been here for um, several of the fairs over the years. Well, actually, I think Phil Arbor used to used to be one of the people that hired me. Or, or yes, on the fair board. Or if he didn't hire me, he certainly dictated where the heck I was to go in the next <laughs> ten minutes, in a loving way, of course. And um, so this is not the first time to Van Cleek Hill. Uh, it was funny, but not not more than three or four months ago, I was going through some old CDs and uh, and tapes and stuff like that, and I pulled out a VHS of a oh, performance wow. at Van Cleek Hill on stage. And I watched it, and I said, oh, my gosh, there was Van Cleek Hill in, in, in the day. Yes. I had people up on stage that may be gone now, because this was back, oh, my, it had to be back in the uh, 80s, back in the 80s. So wow. it's nice to be back, is what yes. I'm saying. And, and you're, back, you're back fairly often, and not to get too personal, but you've kind of got a, a love interest here. Oh, yes. And do people, are people coming up to you on the street recognizing you? Is it hard to stay anonymous here? Because you're a well-known figure in the Ottawa Valley. Well, you know, television is an amazing thing. And aside from the fact that I shave my mustache off, and uh, <laughs> they walk up to me, and some people actually look at me and look at me, and I'm talking to them, and I can see they're glassing over. Because they're so sure they know me, but they're not quite sure until I sort of say, what mustache? And then is they go, right? oh, it is you. So it's usually somebody I owe money to, so I try to keep it quiet. <laughs> but uh, it, true, it's very nice to have, to have people still recall the, uh, the television show. Uh, people have uh, pretty sharp memories, and television, as any press uh, media does, um, really imprints in the mind on the mind. And uh, I found that as I travel around the country, people will still walk up to me and say hello and, uh, hey, I know you, you're a, 
the odd one forgets that it's been 10 years since I've been on air. And yet they'll say to me, without even thinking twice, they'll say, oh, I watch your show all the time. 10 years ago, though, was the last show. But that's, uh, that is, if anything, a testimonial of the strength of the show and the, and the fact that we had a wonderful, wonderful viewership. When I did Country Report prior to On the Road yes. Again, we came often into this neck of the woods. We were often here at uh, Van Cleek Hill and surrounding area and did stories back in the, started in the late 70s and all through the 80s. Uh, Country Report covered all these communities. And, uh, and I, I mean, I so embraced the Ottawa Valley and Van Cleek Hill has always been a favorite part of the world. How did I know that, you know, that uh, Affairs of the Heart would bring me back to Van Cleek yes. Hill? I'd run into Rene Marx, who, who kind of is a very you know, lovingly insistent, but very... She's persistent. She's passionate <laughs> about her community, and no she question. Is. And she, she asked if I would do uh, a concert. Well, and they were willing to pay me to do it and all that stuff. I said, no, no, I will do this, but this must be a benefit. This must be for the, uh, the center. It must be to promote dance and music and song and, and art and everything. And, it, and it is quite a busy place over there with everything from art shows to belly dancing and magic acts and poetry readings and all kinds of different things are happening. They've really broadened the purview, I guess you would say, to include a lot of things. And in a small town, it's, it's a real treat, but I think people are going to be thrilled when they find out that you're coming here to perform. And because you're coming, you were on television, but you were also a singer. I mean, you're in the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame, the Ottawa Valley Country Music Hall of Fame, and and something I, I didn't know about you. Do you do you write a lot of your own songs? I've I've written. I started my first song in 1964. I wrote an unrequited love song, uh, because when you're 16 years old, you it's can, all unrequited. <laughs> yeah, but at, at, at 16, it was really. A, a massive affair in my life. I mean, I wrote a song called uh, We Should Have Been Friends. Aww. And this little broken-hearted 16-year-old teenager wrote this uh, this love song on his brand-new guitar. And I didn't know then that I was really going to pursue a musical career. That didn't hit me until oh, the 1970, roughly. When I was working in Kingston, I'd started in radio at CJET in Smith Falls, CJT. And then I'd gone to Kingston, and I was actually a news anchor there, one of the oh. youngest in, in Canada. Uh, and uh, so I was anchoring the news there and playing at a coffee club on the weekends to see if I wanted this thing called music. And uh, I would get out of my three-piece suit doing the news, and then I would <clears throat> comb the hair down over my ears and get into my, uh, my jumpsuit and go down to the coffee club and look cool. Oh, and, wow. and hope nobody recognized me as being that news announcer because it would take away from the credibility of the artist. So, yeah. but anyway, I used to do that, and um, uh, finally the, the the music won out, and I uh, I went up into the Gatineau Hills, and I realized there, in the early seventies, that I wanted to be a songwriter and a performer, but I didn't want to be a Nashville clone. No. I found that I wanted to write about people in my own backyard, which Country Report had sort of given me a window into to understand that there are great songs right in our own backyard. I don't need to write about being in Memphis and meeting her in Albuquerque and uh, you know falling out of love in, uh, in Dallas. I've never been to half of those places. And what, what was the song you wrote, Shubin Acadie? Tim Smith, man. Yes. 
Yeah, Rand, um, Randy Prescott, a fellow artist uh, who plays with Prescott Brown, he said to me one time, he walked up to me, he says, Ross, Dad, only you could come up with a word like shubanakity and fit it into a song. Yes. But I did. I found a way. It's a great story about a, this tinsmith man in Nova Scotia. So I wrote about him, yep. Well, that's, I'm seeing that when you were on television, you were telling stories. I mean, it, when I was reading about you and researching in preparation for today, that's, that's what I love about what I do is there's so many stories and you put stories in songs and you've done the stories, told people's stories on television. And that's what people remember. People remember their stories being told. Well, it was a unique kind of, it, there was a newness to that because it hadn't really been done in a big way in, in television. We would tell the story with the narrative, of course, and then you'd show the visuals. Of, and, uh, but uh, it was, um, it was um, a CBC producer who said to me, why don't you write a little snippet of a song, even, so that it can also tell the story or ca encapsulate it or end it, book to bookend it, whatever, uh, whatever you, you want to call it. So we tried doing that for a few stories about the Burke Boys and stuff, and then we'd end up with a song about the Burke Boys who live on the farm full of vinegar and country charm, but they never had time for the Lanark County women. <laughs> and so we put that to song and added it. And sure enough, it was a wonderful way to tell a story. It, it also kind of made the unsung hero a sung-about hero. And yes. It, it, it celebrated, the song itself helped celebrate the uh, our visit, and uh, it was a nice way to do it. People really gravitated to it, and if anything, it gave me a whole pot of, of material. Because mm -hmm. every time we'd go to do a story in the country report days, there was a song that could be written to accompany that. I bet. And yeah. then when we went from country report regionally to on the road again nationally, um, that just followed right in, and we did. We followed the same kind of uh, um, methodology to put a, a story on the air, including a song. Right. I, I, you keep talking about the telling, telling of stories, and is that sort of the, the times when you're telling people stories that you think, this is what I'm meant to be doing, I'm in the right place? Are those your magic moments, or is it the music, or...? There's no question that having a communion with people is the magical moment for me. Whatever way that communion is, whether I'm emceeing an event and having a communion with the audience, whether I'm singing a song and attentively listening to what I'm conveying in terms of a message, seeing the reaction on their face to some of the comedy that I do, or anything that is just a communion between myself and the people. I, I, I never have felt that I had to sit on the stage and have people sit there and do nothing but listen. That, that's not, I'm not even interested in that. It's more important to me to have a communion together. And my concerts are filled with back and forth banter and laughter and calling out and catcall, loving catcalls and everything else going on. And picking on that couple in the front row and that fellow over there wearing the funny hat or whatever. And so I've, um, and that's my joy. My joy is to, at the end of the night, feel like we have really had a, almost a Kaylee kind of atmosphere, kitchen Kaylee almost, and a, a lot of laughs and a, a lot of loving exchanges. And uh, so, you know, whether I did that in television, talking to a camera, if I looked at a, at a, at a camera pointed at me, um, 
my job was to was to go through the lens i call it and i had right. to go through the lens into the other side which is the viewer sitting watching so that was having a communion too telling the story in a booth knowing that people across the country would be listening to that story that was my communion so that's been my joy all these years and, and singing of course in itself is such a joy it's euphoric it's physical it's from the inner body the spirit the soul is is this sort of a return to performing for you or have you been performing and doing concerts in the meantime or did you sort of take a semi-retirement well you've asked the question and i was actually on sabbatical and okay. i came off sabbatical uh, I'd been on sabbatical for two and a half years. It was only in this past year, really in the last seven or eight months, that I really started to write again, really started to want to sing again. I refurbished a couple of my, uh, my, my, my classic guitars that I have. I had those refurbished and, and uh, everything. And uh, the, these affairs of the heart do wonderful things. They pluck strings you didn't know existed. And where I was sitting quite stoically almost for a while, um, on the ocean front, looking out at the Atlantic, quite happy and content to do that. I didn't realize that the songbird had stopped singing, and I thought it was strictly because it needed a rest. And I didn't challenge that, because many, many people in professions find they hit a point after, in my case, 47 years of non-stop performing in one way or another. I just decided it was time to have a sabbatical, and I took it. And two and a half years later, uh, the songbird came back. And all of a sudden, I'm writing again, and I want to perform again. So I'm back into, you know, looking uh, around for and, and actually accepting the, the, um, any of the offers that are appealing that come in to perform somewhere. I mean, Isn't that hey, great? The man upstairs works in wonderful ways. I don't know who's pushing the buttons, but uh, thank you. What can we expect at the benefit concert? And we didn't mention the date. Well, the, the date is November the 25th, an evening show at the school. And um, I think the organizers have s established 6.30 doors open for a 7.30 start. If that's changed, you'll have to check the figures, sure. but I'm pretty sure that's it. And uh, what can you expect at the concert? Total mayhem. <laughs> let's do her. Let's, let's do her. Um, I will just, uh, I'll be very plugged in uh, emotionally because it's a return for me to, uh, to Van Cleek Hill and... Uh, the valley, because I, I don't valley. think I mentioned at the top, you've been living in the Maritimes. You haven't I've been, been primarily living. in the Maritimes for the last little while, building a house on the oceanfront. And, uh, and it's a, I am, uh, my roots are Norwegian. My grandfather came from Norway. My father uh, was Bjorn Storlagerusta, uh, good Norwegian name. That. And uh, he changed it to Victor Rostad, by the way, when he went to school, because he couldn't take the razzing. But uh, Dad married uh, uh, my mother from uh, Quebec, the hinterland of Quebec, way up above Manawaki. Oh, dear. Yeah, and so uh, and then along came Wayne, and I was the first of four. So my dad played uh, a little fiddle, and uh, my mother sang like a little songbird. She can actually hold a tune beautifully. And, uh, she's 92 now, by the oh, way. Oh, my. Yeah, Dad's passed. Uh, he passed in 89 at the age, young age of 66. But as my father bought my first guitar, he told me to respect it, and uh, it will bring you nothing but good if you respect it. And I've tried to always do that through all the years. And uh, But it will be wonderful. I'm so looking forward to the concert because um, there's going to be 
a bunch of people I'm going to remember one way or another. Or certainly people in the audience will remember me. I just have to watch out for the ones I owe money to. <laughs> They're the ones I want to stay away from. But, uh, it, it, no, it will be fun. And um, I think they have a liquor license. In fact, I know they do. So there'll be some wine served there. It's a nice seated, uh, and I love the venue. The it's, venue it's quite beautiful. Be- yeah, oh, the cafetorium, beautiful. That's absolutely top class. It's a great staging area, and uh, I will be doing a solo performance because that's what I've done in my whole life. I played a little bit with bands through the late, uh, through the early seventies, but I found that working as a single, like they call it, working as a single, it was. It gave me the freedom to go where I wanted to go with the audience, without the band saying, "Where the heck's he going?" and "How do we?" You change? can just get your get your groove and go where you and go where you go where the spirit takes you. That's been my joy, as a performer, because um, I learned how to play a rhythmic kind of uh, semi chicken pick and lead kind of thing that, when combined with a little what I call dampening on my on my palm on the strings. I get a very rhythmic kind of uh, uh, sound that uh, accompanies me adequately to make me happy and hopefully people listening happy. And uh, we just go. I don't walk out with any set uh, notion in my mind of the songs I'm going to do. I know once I get out there what's going to happen by the vibrations and the energy that come off the audience. And uh, it just, I, I really read... I'm a very viable, a viable uh, kind of individual, and I really feel uh, vibration and emotion, and I can sense, I sense the love. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's, that's really great. Do you have any advice for up-and-coming songwriters, or what, you know, maybe your take on what, what should people be doing today? It's a whole different world. There's YouTube, and... Yes. It's hard to get noticed, but it's easy to get noticed. Yeah, all of the above. Um, it's sure. It's, in my day, you had to go through the regular uh, rank and file. You had to get. You had to find someone who believed in you, who would take you to a recording company, who would, again, find somebody to believe in you, who would invest dollars in you, and all of that stuff. Today, you can basically post something online, and if it goes viral and all of a sudden it's a hit, all of a sudden they come looking for you. And I mean, the companies come looking for you because they—that's just the way it is. But to answer your question directly, one thing has never changed, and that is that if you endeavor to become part of this business, it's like any other business. Don't expect everything to come to you just because you've decided that you want to do it. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to stick to it, and only they who stick to it come out the other end. You've heard a hundred and one of these. He's a twenty-year success story. He's a 20-year overnight success story. Or, yeah, he's a 30-year overnight success story. Because up until 30 years of trying and fighting for recognition, it didn't happen till then. And so stick to it, whatever it is. If, if, you, if you believe in something enough, you'll chase it. And if you chase it and you, can, you retain the integrity and you're honest to your own self and you do it all without stepping on anybody on the way up, they say, then waiting for you at the top is a wonderful career and then you won't have to worry about coming down on the people you stepped on. So you don't want that. So you really want to have a career that is filled with giving and honesty and integrity and just stick to it. Like anything else, if you do it long enough, if it's in the genes and it's out there, 
it will come, but stick with it. Well, thanks so much, Wayne, for coming in. I know your schedule is crazy. You're on the go all the time when you're around here in Vankley Kill. And uh, once again, we'll just mention that concert is taking place at Vankley Kill Collegiate Institute on November the 25th, and it will be an up-close and personal performance by Wayne Rostad. Thank you, Wayne. My pleasure, my pleasure. This is Louise Broll, and you've been listening to an interview with Wayne Rostad. Wayne will be performing in Bank Hill on November 25th. Tickets will be on sale soon at the Review and Arbor Gallery.